You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for May 17th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I'm the publisher and the previously muted web dork of the OBR Back with me tonight, per usual, adding any actual insight and intelligence to the program is Brown's beat writer and guru extraordinaire, Fred the Legend. Greetham. How's it going, Fred? I'm unmuted, you know. <clears throat> At least I got that right. Yeah, you're 1-0 over me today. <clears throat> Good start. Good start, my friend. Uh, before we get into it, uh, a uh, usual disclaimer this show is, is always powered by uh, your comments and questions. Without those, you're stuck with whatever I come up with. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'd, I'd rather just talk about your comments and your questions this whole way. Uh, you know, so get them in. We'll just do that and, and pass on my stupid stuff. Um, so get them to us and we'll just dive into that. But uh, please, at any rate, hit us up with your comments and questions in the YouTube and Twitch chat rooms. And give us something useful to discuss, as always. Um, <clears throat> at any rate, uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, I'm speaking specifically to you YouTube folks right now. Make sure to slam that like button and subscribe to the OBR stream. It's free. No cost to subscribe to the OBR stream in YouTube. Uh, and uh, you get rewarded with Brown's Talk throughout the year. And uh, just give us a thumbs up and see if we can fool the... Uh, YouTube algorithm into inflicting other Browns fans with this programming. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go straight to it. This comes from Fumble13, Fred. Uh, he asks straight away, do the Browns have enough money uh, to sign another defensive tackle? And I had a similar question already prepared, so he is... Uh, uh, jumped in, uh, it, it jumped in with his question. Uh, do you think we even need one? And if we need one, do we have the money to sign one? Well, fumble 13, you're getting a little greedy, I would presume. Um, yeah, they have enough money. Um, they, they have all their draft picks, but one, and he's a fourth round pick. Um, not going to cost much. I think they're still, five, six, seven million under. But as Jack Duffins talks about the salary cap, to my knowledge, they've only restructured Deshaun Watson. There's a whole line of guys they could do, starting with Miles Garrett, um, Wyatt Teller, Amari Cooper. You know, he laid out that they could get to like 90 million if they needed to this offseason. And they only did Watson, which was like 36, which was enough to make all these moves. Um, I, I think right now, I, I don't know what they think when they sign Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill, how much value and how much um, they were planning on them um, to be mainstays. They didn't get a lot of money, but I think right now, a lot of the veteran guys that the Browns would be interested in might be taking the route. Let's just see, you know, where things stand with some of these teams. Now, Domica Sue last year did not sign with a team, if I'm 
not mistaken, until into the season. So you kind of see the way things are lining up. And I could see that again. They don't want to go through training camp. They don't want to go through all that. They want to go to a team that they have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. If you're talking about a guy like Sue, you know, there's guys like Matt Ionditis. I know it's been a favorite here on the on the OBR. And there's a, there's a few other ones. If last year, you know, we, we berailed them all, you know, spring about signing one of these older guys, and they never did, I think it'll, it'll really be up to Jim Schwartz and his input, you know, what he saw in the rookie minicamp out of Siaki Ika, and they had another guy, Jabari Taylor, an undrafted free agent. Brought in Dalva Tomlinson. A couple of the guys could play edge and inside. I right now I would think they would be close to coming to fruition in training camp. That's about the only move, you know. I think that would be great, but I'm not as panicky about that anymore because of the edge rusher they brought in. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, with uh, <clears throat> Smith able to play inside a little bit, a little bit of flexibility there for Jim Schwartz. Uh, you know, there's uh, yeah, maybe not quite as desperate a need for a defensive tackle as we had before. Uh, but uh, we've already got some other questions. I'm just going to keep firing these off as long as they keep coming in. Uh, next question is from the Exalted One. Uh, and he wants to know if any UDFA or tryout players were, were standing out in camp. And uh, we got sort of a similar question in ATI, people asking, you know, which rookies are standing out. And it's kind of tough to tell from what you see in rookie camp, isn't it, Fred? Well, that's that's um, an understatement because there's just not a lot of bodies and they're not really doing anything other than these guys are in their first NFL camp really what this is, is to try to familiarize them. So when they show up for OTAs or more importantly, the veteran mandatory mini camp in June, that they can hit the ground running because there's not going to be any time for them to learn. They're going to have to know, you know, what they're expected to do. Um, you know, when you have one quarterback in camp, you have one running back in camp, a lot of times you just see them standing there because the coach can't just have them running or throwing or catching passes all the time when they're by themselves or only a couple guys. Um, and, and with the line, defensive line, offensive line, they're not really, they're just working on footwork. You're not blocking anybody. Um, when the pads go on in camp, that's when you really start to see there's guys that I've seen over the years, like a wide receiver looked awesome in these type camps. But then when they have the threat of getting hit, that things start to change. You know, you see the gator arm, you see him dropping balls. Um, but it's really hard to make any evaluation other than seeing them running around. They don't even have shoulder pads and all that kind of stuff on. They're just, they're just kind of out there. Um, they had, what, seven draft picks, nine undrafted free agents. So that's 16 guys. And they had um, 
six tryout players, so you had 22. And then you had two or three or four guys that were on the practice squad last year. They really had them out there to show the young guys what what the drills were about and kind of, you know, leading, leading things around. But um, I don't know. I mean – Cedric Tillman looks good to me, you know, at 6'3", catching the ball. But, again, he's not getting hit. Um, Ika, you know, is a big, big fella. I'm surprised if you saw any of my videos I tweeted out. You know, he wore one of those crop tops, so his big belly's hanging out. I don't know if that's the type of shirt, unless he broke out his – broke out of the T-shirt. Dewan Jones is a big human being, um, you know, standing next to him, interviewing him. Remind me of the size of Orlando Brown when he first signed with the Browns as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, I tried to look at the higher picks, the guy that I, the guys I think that can help him this year, like Tillman and Ika. I looked at McGuire, wrote a story about him. I thought he looked fine. Um, but took a look at Diabate or whatever his name is, the linebacker. They paid him a lot of money to sign with him, so I have to think they are pretty high on him. But other than that, you know, it's hard to say that they stood out because they're really going against themselves. There's no proven NFL players, you know, Browns out there to even compare them against. You're just seeing them running around and and uh, learning the drills and, and so forth. But I think nobody really disqualified themselves with the eye test other than, you know, Dewan Jones seemed to be out of, out of shape, you know. They weren't doing a whole lot, and he was, he was losing his lunch a couple times I saw. So Yeah, those were vicious rumors coming out of camp. I was going to ask you to verify those, and – Thank you for verifying that for us, that uh, he's got a little work to do before he's going to be ready uh, uh, for uh, for training camp, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> next question, this comes from Warpigs, and Warpigs asks, do you think the Deshaun Watson workation will help knock off his rust this year? Um, they're down in Puerto Rico right now uh, doing uh, who knows what. Uh, we're assuming uh, uh, acclimating to uh, another season starting. I haven't seen any Instagram videos or anything like that from there, but uh, um, do your best to, to uh, guesstimate what's going to happen with Deshaun. Well, I think more than anything, it's it's always a good thing when they're spending time together as a team. You know, bonding and those type things are probably more important than than actual what they're going to do. Stefanski kind of did a wink, wink, you know, that they're not allowed or they weren't going to be doing anything that he wasn't aware of if it was against the rules. But if anything they were allowed to do, they would do as long as they were within the rules. I think more than anything, it's, it's like I said, guys just getting together, getting trust with one another off the field. They're going to have a long season. They're going to have a lot of that. You can see there's been a lot of emphasis um, this off season. 
because in the past we heard about the chemistry not being that great. And, uh, you know, they're going to go to Greenbrier for eight days. They're going to go to Philadelphia for a few days. Um, they're doing this. So I'm not so much worried about the rust. The rust would would only get shaken in games because I don't I saw him in training camp last year. He looked really good to me. He looked very fluid. He looked very athletic. I had went on record saying he's the best looking quarterback in training camp I've seen in my 30 some years. It's the games, which is a different speed and, and all that. And I think that was part of the reason the Browns threw him right in to play him all six games last year. Mm-hmm. And he might even play some in the preseason. I don't know yet the plans. They have an extra preseason game. But to try to get him is up to game speed as quickly as possible because, as we know, they get right into it. They open with the Bengals then the Steelers. And he didn't fare well against the Steelers in Pittsburgh last year. So, you know, I think more than anything, um, it's more – getting on the same page, developing chemistry with his offensive teammates and goodwill, you know, trusting one another and able to go into a season on the same page. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Let's go. uh, One of the things that's happened since the last time we were on the air is that uh, the NFL released their schedule in their usual gala fashion. Um, and uh, part of that schedule is that the Browns start off, you know, playing a pretty tough schedule in the first four or five games uh, before they have a bye and then face the 49ers. And uh, Rocky Balboa wants to know if the Browns lose all three division games before the bye, whether the, whether the entire season will be deflated uh, at that point. Um, do you think that's going to be the case, or do you think that uh, this team would soldier on regardless well, you know, we've been there, done that. I don't know how many times you start 0-3. If you start 0-3 or 1-3, you know, that's that's a pretty uh, deep hole, especially if it's 0-3 in the division. I wouldn't say that the season's over because I really think there's a time as the season goes on where they the schedule's pretty favorable for them. And – I think they can still battle themselves back into it. Um, but I don't see them going 0-3 in the division to start. I actually look at it as an opportunity. I look at this as an opportunity, as long as we're talking about the schedule, to set the tone early. The Bengals, the Browns have been pretty successful. Joe Woods was pretty successful against uh, Joe Burrow in, in recent games. And – Jim Schwartz, even though he's been a coordinator, he hasn't been one with the Browns with this personnel. I would think he would do something similar to what Joe Woods did to to contain him. But I don't think he'll do what Joe Woods did last year when, you know, two of the three receivers for the Bengals weren't playing and they still didn't double team Jamar Chase and they didn't play a lot of man to man. I think that that's an advantage that Jim Schwartz will be able to spring something new that maybe Burrow hasn't seen right out of the gate. And I think that would 
would bode well at home. I think the Browns can get out of the gate, play well to start, and I think maybe they can they can come out with a win in the first game. And I'm not I'm not uh, daunted by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh. I know last year they didn't play well over there, but that was kind of at the end of the season, in my opinion, kind of playing out the string. So I think they would at least win one of those two games and then the Ravens game at home. <clears throat> I think they have a chance to be two and one in the division. I think they could be three and one after four games. They could be two and two at worst. That's worst case, I say. But if they are, as you say, oh and three in the division, it's going to be very difficult to win the division. Last year they split their division at three and three, and they ended up, I think, in fourth place. Um I think you have to win at least three games in the division to have a chance. But if you can go four and two in the division, that would put you in position to win the AFC North. And yeah, if I, if they're all in three, I think the division will be hard to overcome, but I still think they could get into the playoffs in the wild card. Yeah, I would think so too. And, and, and Rocky, Rocky, I just, between you and me, it's not going to happen, buddy. It's not going to happen. I played the schedule game. I've got them winning two out of three. Those two out of those first three. I always know what's coming. Uh, I, I I think I predicted the record perfectly last year, didn't I, Fred? Twelve and four, seven and nine, something like that. I was I was close. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Trust me. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, I I want to I want to talk about this next one a little bit, Fred. Um, uh, chat username wants to uh, wants you to comment on the backs and likely veteran cuts. Let's take the first part of that. There have been rumors, um, and I, I don't know how good of rumors they are, but there have been rumors that the Browns are one of the teams interested in Ezekiel El, uh, Elliott. Uh, James Porch from YouTube also has uh, that question. Um, first, what do you think about the Browns going after a guy like Elliott, who looks like he's lost his step as a, as a backup to Chubb? And do you think a veteran running back like that is even needed? Uh, do you have enough faith in Jerome Ford to think that he could be a backup to Chubb after his rookie season last year? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, it might be sacrilegious because Ohio State and a big Ezekiel Elliott fan. But, yeah, I, I don't see why in the world the Browns would 
bring him in. Other, you know, you're kind of chasing a ghost. There's a reason the Cowboys moved on from him. I mean, I don't think too many people were that high on Tony Pollard when he started out with the Cowboys. I don't remember where he came from, if he was a draft pick or undrafted or what he was. But um, that's kind of the way it goes in the NFL sometimes, not for long. I think that they're happy with Jerome Ford. They've kept uh, Kelly around here. I think this will be like his third year, at least on the practice squad. There's a reason, you know, other than having him run every play in the preseason, he's he's been kept around, and I think Stump Mitchell likes him. So they could very well go with Chubb and Ford and Kelly on the practice squad or be your third guy. They brought in an undrafted running back. He was the only one, Hassan Hall, you know, from Georgia Tech, undersized, smaller guy. Um, They still have Demetric Felton, who was a running back, who played all wide receiver last year. Um, He could be, maybe they have him in mind for that third down role out of the backfield. If he's been a wide receiver, it would seem like it'd be natural that he could catch passes out of the backfield on third down. There are a couple guys out there, veterans, and I don't think they're in any hurry, but I think that they could, you know, when they, after the veteran mini camp in early June, they may revisit it and at several positions and they may say, you know, probably wouldn't be a bad idea to bring in a veteran uh, running back. It, it all comes down to money and, you know, would, would Ezekiel Elliott be content to to sign for veteran, veteran minimum, you know, with some incentives? I, I just don't know if a guy who's been as good of a back as he is, that he'd be that excited to come in and be behind Nick Chubb. I mean, you know, there's other guys, lesser names, Justin Jackson. You know, there's, there's several out there that – they could bring in if they really wanted to. I think right now they're going to see what they have in Ford. Obviously, if you have an injury, then you make a move. But I think right now my odds would be Chubb and Ford. And I think that they want to throw the ball a lot. And I think they want to throw the ball to the backs. And I would think that you might be looking at a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield pretty well. Not necessarily – a north and south runner, you know, like I would call Elliot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not sure, you know, how valid that report is, but uh, um, you know, it's interesting. It's May. You get <laughs> crazy rumors like this popping around. Um, uh, you know, he's certainly so popular in Cleveland, but the dude cannot play center. I can tell you that he cannot play center. All right, uh, next question from Fumble Thirteen. After watching Andrew Barry work these last four years, do you feel he's the craftiest GM we have had since 99 or even earlier? Uh, Boy, that's a low bar there, Fred. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought Phil Savage for a while was one of the better evaluators of talent in the draft. I'm not so ready to say Andrew Barry has been that great drafting, but what I like is his most of his free agent signings, 
and his trades. I've been the, you know, if you guys have read my stories and if you haven't been reading our stories, a lot of this stuff, you know, I've talked about it all off season. Um, I had five steps. I wrote a series before free agency, during free agency, after free agency, before the draft, after the draft. And the number one need to me, one and two was defensive line, defensive tackles first, edge rusher second. And Andrew Barry went out and got just about everybody that I'm not saying specifically, but within three or four names thrown out there, like Okoronkwo and Dalvin Tomlinson and Juan Thornhill in a trade I suggested, including a guy like Elijah Moore. Trades had been great. He brought in Eli Moore and he brought in um, Amari Cooper and most recently Zadarius Thomas or Smith, Zadarius Smith, sorry. Um, to me, those are great moves. Sure, it costs you some money, but it makes sure the guy comes. In free agency, the, the price gets drilled up and you have them. You know, they – you acquire the guy, you got the guy. And so I just think he's done great with the trades. And this offseason has really aggressed, addressed the, you know, their needs, particularly on defense. I'll say this before we go much longer. I think that Barry, the biggest move the Browns made this offseason is bringing in Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator. They brought in some good players, but I think he will make a pronounced difference on the defense. And that alone, if the offense struggles early in the season or whenever, I think this defense now can keep them in games. Last year's defense gave up over 22 points a game. If, it, if Jim Schwartz can get that defense to get down to the 18, 19, 20 a game, I think, I think you're going to see a team winning some games just because of the defense. And we all expect the offense to be to be prolific, but if it takes them a while to get going, the defense can help them win. So I think Barry's done great. Yeah, I would answer that question, yes. Uh, it was a low bar. There wasn't a lot really in the first 20 years that amounted to a whole lot. All you have to do is look at the record. But I think Andrew Barry's done his best work in free agency and trades. Trades number one, because those three guys he's – added have been key players and and uh, a couple key free agents as well and so he's got to get better in the drafting obviously when you don't draft till the third or fourth round it's hard to hit but they haven't you know you look at some of his early drafts sure you expect to hit on the first round picks second round picks but I haven't really seen a lot you know out of the the Tommy Togi eyes and the uh, Jordan Elliott's and, you know, guys like that. Peoples-Jones, yes, he hit on a six-rounder there. But, yeah, overall he's been the best GM they've had. I uh, I saw an article today. I flagged it for the newswear. I'll link it in the newswear tomorrow. Make sure you visit the OBR early in the day and, and always read the newswear. But uh, I saw an article today that CBS went back and rated Andrew Barry's draft, I think, in 2020, which would be his first one, uh, and uh, said at the time they gave it a B-minus, they went back and gave it an A. 
And they gave it an A because of all the players that he's kept from that draft and the number that are starters, like Elliott and Phillips and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. They said like four of them are starters. You know, Wills is a starter. Uh, and, uh, you know, six of them are still with the team. So they gave him an A for it, um, indicating that at least one national outlet, granted it's one that works with us, so what do they know? But uh, at least one national outlet is starting to say, well, maybe he's not as bad at drafting as, you know, people in Cleveland might be thinking. So there you go. I, I think he's the best GM since the Browns raided the USFL in the uh, in the mid-'80s, you know, Fred. Um, what was that guy's name? He wound up with the Giants. Uh, name escapes me right now. Um, well, you're talking about Ernie Accorsi. Ernie Accorsi. And I had something name. to do with that. I'll, I'll tell you that. I was in Arizona, and the Arizona Wranglers, I was working with them, and the Browns were scouting, and a guy who was the personnel guy at the time, Bill Davis, when I was an intern with the Browns, and actually when I started you know, my career in writing with Browns News Illustrated, I moved to Arizona to take a coaching teaching job and the Arizona Wranglers started up in the USFL and I worked there and I saw the Browns guys in the press box first game. And they asked me if I would save them a trip and send them information. And I sent them, I'll tell you, I'll just cut to the chase. Frank Minifield was on the Wranglers and I recommended the Browns look at him, and they signed him. They actually came out to Phoenix and brought the typing teacher from my school, and she went and, and did his contract in a hotel. I asked her the next day, what was that all about? Why did he want your number? And he said, she said, they wanted me to type up somebody's contract. And I said, what was the guy's name? And she said, Frank Minefield. And I go, you got to be kidding me. I got a hundred bucks for sending them that information, but that, that was, I take credit for that, you know, even <laughs> though they probably already knew about him. But if you remember, that was really the nucleus of the Browns team. Yeah. Ernie, of course, he got Kevin Mack, uh, Mike Johnson, Dan Fike, Gerald McNeil, Frank Minifield. There was eight to, eight or nine guys that were on that team in mm -hmm. in the 80s that came from the usfl ernie accorsi um one he was a great general manager you know with the browns so that's that's high praise from me for andrew berry i think he's the best that we've had since ernie accorsi so there i'm gonna lay it all out on the line there um, well i'll finish that story on minifield so i come mm -hmm. back in 89 to browns news illustrated moved back from Phoenix out here and Minifield of course was a pro bowler. And, you know, somebody said about the dog, I didn't have anything to do with that. So I started covering the team in 89 again in the locker room. I went up to him and said, Hey, you owe, you know, and a lot of you might not know per Minifield's personality, but he's always, you know, he's always really kind of shot everybody down, you know, and was always yucking around with Dixon, but he goes, get out of here. You had nothing to do with that. And I go, I did. I recommend it. But, you know, that's how it goes. You know, low-level scout got no credit. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a, a scouting opportunity for you. Uh, Broken Arrow wants to know your thoughts on Jakeem Grant 
uh, who we just we haven't seen very much of. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen anything from him in nearly a year, have we, Fred? I think that's. Uh, I think odds are stacked against the guy. Um, you know, with you tear or rupture your Achilles, that's a big time injury. And with a guy who, for lack of a better word, is more of a jitterbug guy, you know, moving quick. I mean, I don't know. He might be 100% back up to speed. If he is, I, you know, he can, he can make, because they really do need a return guy. He was a punt and kick return. But he's also a wide receiver. And when you look at the moves they made, you know, they had Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, and you got to think David Bell's a lock, you know, as a third-round pick last year. That's not mentioning you added Marquise Goodman as a free agent. You traded for Elijah Moore. That's five guys right there. And then you drafted Cedric Tillman. That's six guys right there. And then you have, you're not even talking about, you know, Schwartz, um, Michael Woods, who got injured. Demetric Felton, Jalen Darden, guy they brought in, also a returner. So I'd say there's at least six wide receiver spots spoken for, and most teams don't carry more than five or six. So Jakeem Grant, if he's lights out at kick and punt return, then that's his ticket to make the team. But, you know, he's a wide receiver, and he's going to have to – really he's up against it let's let's last year you didn't have marquise goodwin and you didn't have elijah moore two of the fastest guys on the team now you brought in grant last year might have been until he was injured so um i don't know until we see him he he's just got to be ready at the beginning of, of training camp because he's going to be behind if he misses any time i don't really know his timetable and where he's at, but we'll see. <coughs> All right. Uh, next question. This comes from Paul Spencer. He wants to know which players look best in a seated position. You don't have to answer that, Fred. It's just Paul being incorrigible. Stop being incorrigible, Paul. You've already made me laugh about five or six times during this show. That's your, it's your quota. It's your quota. You don't need to do any more. Uh, let's go to uh, Kevo680. And Kevo680 says, do you think with the new offense based around Watson, we'll go with three tight ends instead of four, using more three and four wide? Um, I think that means three tight ends on the roster rather than four and not four on the field at one time. Um, if so, Harrison Bryant, you know, maybe needs to look over his shoulder a little bit. What are your thoughts on this, Fred? Well, I do think they'll be using more wide receivers than three tight ends. You get you, you know, Stefanski liked the tight ends, the three tight ends, but that was back in the days with Baker Mayfield. And I think with Deshaun Watson, he would rather spread it out with four or five wide receivers. I, I can see two tight ends on the field. I think, you know, Najoku's a pass catching tight end can spread the field and Aikens I think also can do that Harrison Bryant might be the best blocker of the three um I do think as Jack Duffins point out you know he might 
he might be, you know, really struggling to make the team this year um, because of the salary and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I hope he makes the team. I spent a weekend up in New York with him, got to know him a little bit and, and a great kid and, and so forth. But, you know, last year was from his rookie year. I really thought he was going to be a breakout and he would end up, you know, replacing Najoku when Najoku was wanting a big contract and they'd let him leave. But he really has kind of plateaued the last two, three years has been about the same, you know, you didn't see him go from his rookie year to another level. And, uh, he's, you know, I think this is a big year for him. It's his last year under contract with the Browns. And part of the reason they signed Aikens to a two year deal, I think is maybe with, with Bryant, maybe moving on after this year. So, I, I think they'll play more four wide receivers, maybe even five wide receivers, um, than than three tight ends. All right. Uh, next question from uh, Warpigs again. Wants to know if there's a chance DeWan Jones moves to left tackle. Uh, maybe a little worried about uh, uh, Jeffrey Wills here and uh, looking for alternatives at left tackle. Uh, what do you think there, Fred? I think that he was asked about that. He actually started at Ohio State some left tackle, if you remember, a kid that was picked sixth overall. Um, was it Paris? Paris Johnson. Um, missed a game or two, and he played left tackle. He right. said he can do either. Um, he's probably more natural at right tackle. But um, Bill Callahan – kind of cross trains all those tackles to play left and right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Really haven't watched enough of him. Jake could tell you more on the film study, but um, I would think that he would start out at right tackle and Hudson probably just because he's been here two years would have a better chance to back up Wills at left tackle, but they could develop if, – if Jones takes advantage of the opportunity, they could they could move on from Wills and next year. I mean, they have him for this year and next year because mm. they picked up the fifth-year option. So um, they have some time to evaluate, but I think anything's possible. It, it's really up to him. He's athletic enough to play basketball and do what he did. But I do think he's got to get in better shape if he's going to play left tackle. He just he didn't look he just didn't look like Joe Thomas did. I always said Joe Thomas was the smallest three hundred pounder I ever saw because he was like in shape. He didn't look like a th- now he now he doesn't even look like he ever played in the NFL. But um, I think Jones has the has the the frame. You know when you're six eight, you can. If you can reshape and you have the quickness, there's a lot of things you can do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that That's why you draft the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Jones has certainly has a lot of potential if he can get himself in shape and, and uh, be, be very focused. Um, I, I want to talk about something. We, we, we've got a couple of questions here uh, lined up and we'll get to them. Uh, but the biggest news is something that we haven't really talked about yet, and, and that is uh, the bomb that the Browns dropped on Friday night when they announced that they had acquired edge rusher Zadarius Smith. 
uh, for two fifth-round picks and a cheeseburger. Uh, Smith uh, is about to turn 31, uh, so he's he's getting up there, but he's not that old yet uh, for an edge rusher. Uh, he's one of the league's leading edge rushers. He's only signed for one year. He's a free agent after this year. Um, you know, leaving the Jim Schwartz thing aside, uh, do, you, do you think that this is the most impactful signing of the offseason, Fred, um, or trade of the offseason? And uh, what does this do, you know, in terms of upping the ante for the Browns to make the playoffs in 2023? I think it's a home run. I mean, I outlined what I thought they should do this offseason, and I thought the Oboe Okoronkwo was a big move. But I was, if you if you read my post draft, there was still eight to ten free agent guys like Justin Houston and Mar Melvin Ingram and guys like that that I thought you could come in and you know, and fill the gap just so you weren't counting on Alex Wright or Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah McGuire to have to play immediately, you know, you're, you're, or an injury. I mean, it's great to have the starters in Oboe and, and Garrett, but we saw Clowney would get hurt and miss games and Garrett miss games. You got to have more in the rotation. Zadarius Smith I mean, my goodness, he's to me, he's right up there with Miles Garrett. I mean, he when I watched him with the Packers, uh, mostly he really disrupted and affected a game. I mean, sometimes we've been critical of Miles, it gets big sacks, but sometimes it doesn't turn the game around. I've seen this guy turn the game around, mm. and if you have to worry about Miles Garrett on one side and you got this guy on the other side. You can't double team them all and maybe you throw oboe in the middle and send him too. you know, I just think Jim Schwartz wants to disrupt his quote in the first press conference was the most impactful thing you can do on defense is, is get after the quarterback, disrupt the passer. He's, he, he has come to that conclusion after talking to NFL quarterbacks, as well as, just coaching and, and observing the game. And so I just think it's a home run. I mean, I know he, he missed like the second half of the season. I, I have to assume that he's healthy or the Browns wouldn't have made that move. They would have checked through. the And the reason they just announced it today, because I'm assuming that he signed his contract and had his physical and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Browns did not announce it Friday night, but as we all know, it it got leaked out by the agents and so forth. And, and so all of us that were watching movies or trying to relax Friday night were were sent into a scramble. But no, I think that I think it is the most impactful move, you know. And and as we've said all along, the Browns are flying under the radar. I mean, they had a they had some good players on defense and I thought they had one of the best rosters that I've covered in the 30 some years, but this off season, you added Okoronkwo, you added Tomlinson, Juan Thornhill, Zadarius Smith and Rodney McLeod, five proven key 
NFL acquisitions. And that's not talking about the draft picks or some of the second tier signings. I just think that there's going to be no excuses. And that's what I said earlier is that the defense really, everybody's put the focus on the offense and rightly so, but the defense really could really keep the Browns in games, especially early in the season. And when you need a big game from the defense, I think you got the horses to do that. So, oh, Mm -hmm. I think this is a big time move. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I saw everybody talking about Zadarius Smith, and I thought, well, he's not a free agent. I mean, why would – big deal, pairing him with Garrett. Yeah, that'd be a dream. Oh, they traded for him. Way to go, Andrew Bear. I talked to a front office person. I said, I think that was a home run move, and they said, A-B, you know. And, and uh, I just think, you know, we were talking about that that there's guys out there, I didn't maybe know the names that were under contract, but were disgruntled, wanting a new home. And obviously Smith was one of those guys that if they could find them and trade for them, they did that with Elijah Moore. Those to me are big time moves because you know what you got. You're not waiting on any anything. He comes in here, first game, he's ready to go. I mean, you don't have to say, well, I hope the guy develops. And, you know, you, you're you not in that position now with the Browns. You're ready to win now, and that means game one. You want to come out of the gate playing well. And I think Zadarius Smith, you know, everything I know about him, what I've seen over the years watching, you got that type of player. I mean, I was yeah. originally he was going back to the Ravens, if you remember, before he ended up with the Vikings. And then that deal fell through for some reason. He went to the Vikings on a three-year, $42 million deal. And then he got hurt, and the Vikings wanted out of the contract. They went and signed Marcus Davenport. And so I just think, unless there's something I don't know about, I think this is a really big, big win for the Browns. We're going to talk to him at OTAs next Wednesday, so I'll write a story about that after we talk to him. So look forward to that. Yeah, if you're an OBR subscriber, please uh, uh, check out Jake Burns' film study of Zadarius. Uh, and uh, uh, Jake uh, left that film study very enthused about what he's going to bring to this team. Uh, and uh, it's good reading, so check it out. Um, tell you what, uh, next question from Enzo Funk. He says, I hope this won't happen. But what do you think would happen if we got rid of Chubb and focus on the pass game. Now, there was a lot of talk about trading, trading Chubb or maybe getting rid of him, you know, to save on salary cap in future years and all that sort of things. Uh, but uh, what do you think, Fred? Um, you know, Chubb's a big part of this team, and he is beloved by the fan base. Uh, that would be a hard move to sell, I think. Yeah, I mean – You got all this mojo, all this momentum, maybe not nationally, but here in Cleveland, I I can feel the momentum and the positivity about this team and this roster. Um, They're going to have to do it on the field, but why in the world? You want to kill that quickly? Get rid of Nick Chubb. I mean, he's everything that you want in an NFL player. He comes to work. He overperforms, gives everything he has. He's one of the best players on the team. I don't understand why you would even entertain that. Yeah, if they go 5-12 and 12 and everybody gets fired, 
you know, then maybe you're going to say, well, you know, we'll move on from Nick Chubb. But he's the least of your problems. And I think he can be a big factor in the passing game. Last year, they took him out all the time to put in Kareem Hunt. And one of the positives, in my opinion right now, that they haven't went and got another running back is, is that maybe they'll keep Chubb on the field a little bit more. I think they would probably try to use Ford, you know, as that third down back. But I would just like to see Chubb out in open space. You know, anybody remember the playoff game when Baker Mayfield threw a screen pass to Chubb 40 yards later, he's in the end end zone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I just don't know why they don't use him more out of the backfield, you know, in those flare pass, especially with the wide receivers you have and the Joku and spreading the field. Everybody's downfield, dump the ball to Chubb in the flat, one-on-one with a linebacker. I'll take my chances with Nick Chubb. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, uh, yeah, I continue to be a huge Nick Chubb fan. I think most Browns fans are huge Nick Chubb fans. And uh, uh, I think it would take an entire, you know, a, a big failure this season and followed by a reboot uh, really to, to justify getting rid of him at this point. But uh, uh, that speculation will continue, I'm sure, uh, because it's pro football and this is Cleveland. Rocky Balboa asked if, Fred, if you're catching a flight to Puerto Rico after the show, uh, told Deshaun he couldn't come until after a spot on the OBR. Uh, there is there is no truth to that rumor, is there, Fred? You're not headed to Puerto Rico. No, I just got back from Montana, so that's enough traveling for a week. And you've already got one uh, resort uh, trip scheduled, you know, on behalf of the OBR. You're going down to beautiful West Virginia, hopefully, to Greenbrier, that tropical yeah, I bu- paradise. I booked the room. Booked a room down there for, we haven't got the official dates, but latter part of July. Uh, Kevin Stefanski told us in a little informal briefing before the draft that they wanted to get away and they were going to spend eight days down there. And I don't know if that means eight days practicing. I know they have to have a, a day off in the middle, mm-hmm. but um, that week of July 22nd, we're going to be down. We're planning on being down there in Lewisburg, West Virginia, you know, Greenbrier Resort. It's it's a country club, big, big golf place, but they built football fields and the New Orleans Saints trained there one summer and the Houston Texans. So they build it with that in mind. Browns aren't going to be there all training camp, but they're going to start it out like eight days. Then they're going to come back for the Hall of Fame game with Joe Thomas and the Jets and Canton. Then they'll be in Berea for for the next week. They're going to play Washington at home, the second preseason game. Then going over to Philadelphia for the third preseason game. I think it's going to be on a Friday night. And they're going to practice two days with the Eagles. So they'll probably be over there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, maybe even Tuesday. I'm not sure. But yeah, they're going to take take training camp on the road a little this summer. So it's going to be a cutback in Berea for fans like to go out there. But I think it'll be good for them to get get away and be together bonding, you know, as a team down in West Virginia to start camp. Yeah, I think the appropriate question asked by TySox15, he asked, if you're not an OBR subscriber, why not? 
And that's the question that we're all asking here at the OBR because it's the subscribers who make shows like this happen and also make it possible for us to send Fred down to Greenbrier to report um, because, you know, sending Fred off to tropical resorts like Greenbrier, West Virginia, uh, not free, not free. So please, uh, it's your subscriptions that keep independent journalism like the OBR running, and we appreciate all our subscribers. Next question from Fumble13, which assistant GM has a better chance to be first to get a job? Glenn Cook or uh, Catherine Raich? Uh, I put my money on Glenn Cook. He's been here longer, right, Fred? Yeah, he's been here a little longer. He he uh, interviewed for the job that Quessy got um, with Minnesota, but I didn't really hear his name last this this offseason. I think he might have had an interview with the Titans. I think they had an open job. Um, boy, that's a tough one. Um, I think, I think he probably would be the most logical, although, I mean, the Browns are pushing hard to break the ceiling with the, with the ladies. I mean, they got Callie Bronson. She's going, you know, to a coaching symposium, you know, and probably has a shot to be one of the first, if not the first female head coach in the NFL and, mm-hmm. and the first female general manager very well could be Catherine race. You know, she went kind of, it's kind of been on a rocket ship as well. Yeah. Brown's breaking barriers there and uh, you know, uh, good for them. You know, it's uh if this front office is successful, anybody associated with this front office is also going to be successful and promotions come, opportunities come. And, uh, you know, you could see both of those names uh, up for promotions in the years to come. All right. Uh, got one question left here. Uh, it is 7.52 p.m. So we've got eight minutes here. If you've got any questions that you want to slip in under the radar, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, right before the last minute, fire him off right now. Uh, otherwise, here's from Tysox. He says, considering running back is a low value position according to analytics, do you expect them to keep Hall or Kelly or McCrary as the third running back? Boy, that's a tough question. I think it would, a lot of it would have to do with what we see in training camp, right, Fred? Yeah, I mean, it. You know, as long as providing everybody's healthy, right now I would say Chubb, Ford, and Kelly because he's been here. They've kept him around for three years for a reason, and he's looked pretty good when he's got a chance in the preseason. Um, he's like a young veteran, you know, with that. But it's it's going to be numbers. This roster is going to be hard to make the team right now. I think it'd be tough for Demetri Felton to make the team as a wide receiver. You know, it'd be tough for him to make the team all the way around, but he might be, his golden ticket could be that versatility that he could also, you know, be that third or fourth running back provided, you know, he can catch the ball, the backfield and so forth. So they'll probably have one or two on the practice squad as usual, but they, they usually seem to keep three on the active roster. They may just keep two on the active roster and keep an extra guy on the practice squad. But I would, I would guess right now with Chubb and Ford and 
Kelly would be the top three. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, we're out of questions uh, at this point. So I think we're going to wrap a little bit early today, a um, couple minutes early. And uh, thank you guys for giving us five minutes back on our, our busy schedules here. Uh, and thank you, as always, for hanging out with us on a Wednesday night uh, here in May to talk Browns football. There's a bunch of you who joined us tonight. Uh, as always, Browns fans, pretty hardcore uh, week in, week out around the year. Uh, so thank you for joining us. And we will be back, not next week, uh, but I believe the week after next. I'd have to check our schedule. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, see you Typically, uh, the Wednesday after Fred has an opportunity to see the team practice. So uh, after the OTAs, uh, the week weekend after next, we will be back here on OBR Weekly. So thank you very much for attending. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging out with us on OBR Weekly. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.